Hello and welcome to Three Season of Pod from Provision Advisors, the podcast for and about the global communications environment. Three Season of Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Folks, it's the year of COVID, and here we are back at March, back to the beginning. It's been a year of enduring a global pandemic, and the question still remains, what do we do now? The amount of loss is nothing less than catastrophic, and we now find ourselves trying to get back to a semblance of what was. We're going to talk about it. Also, what has a year of COVID conditioned us to expect outdoors as the warmer spring months approach? Lastly, let's talk about COVID communication failures and successes during the past year. Who got it right and who may have dropped the ball? Please continue to check out Three Season a Pod on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast platforms. We appreciate the follow and your feedback each week. And you can find us on Twitter at ProV Advisors with an S, and check us out on the web at www.provisionadvisors.net. Chris, it's you and I holding it down today. You know, we've reached this milestone, and I, I you know, I can't believe it to think that, you know, it's been a year of, of, of trying to get used to this new way of living and all that comes with it. Let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, what COVID, this global pandemic, the coronavirus has done to us as a nation, has done to us as individuals, uh, you know, as we look at being parents during COVID. Let's get into all of it. What I would offer just first off is um, before we talk like specific failures and successes, sort of broadly, I am shocked still at the indifference, at least I think it's indifference, Behind the number of people that have died, you know, almost half a billion people, more than half a billion people Mm -hmm. versus like the economic and social impact that COVID has had. Right. I mean, it it just seems like that we're 180 degrees out. Right. You know, every night people talk about how many how many new infections there have been or how many new deaths there have been. And uh I am surprised that that number has not been given more attention. Now, there, I guess there are reasons for it. I mean, you could blame some of it on the White House, the Trump White House, and how they treated it. But I mean, even among people that take the virus serious and um, do the precautions and uh, isolate and, you know, social distance and all the things that you're supposed to do in the new normal, I'm just surprised at how ineffective the number by itself uh, has been communicated and the the impact that that it's uh, that it's had. You know what, Chris? So, so to that point, I I knew that that something was amiss when I started to as we go back to March 2020 and and into you know as spring went on and, and sort of led to summer. When I started to hear people poke at the numbers as they were rising, then and come up with reasons to say, well, you know, the hospitals are just, they're inflating that number. So anyone who dies during COVID, like we're just gonna say that that's a COVID related death. It could have been a car accident. It could have been uh, some other calamity or or injury or something, but we're just gonna say that this was the reason. Uh, Someone um, is is very up in, in years, uh, over 80, over 90 years old, over 100 years old. Um, and rather than saying they die of old age, we're going to just say that this, this is a COVID-related death. So the more that I saw people take that narrative and say, well, no, those those numbers, the, the numbers aren't what you think it is, that they're, they're inflated. So this, So that means that COVID 
is less uh, pervasive, is less real in my mind. That's when I it got my attention. Like, wait a second. Um, yeah. That's that's a scary notion, and I think there there are just a large numbers within the population that even as we've gotten here to that, you know, just just incredibly um, a horrible number of five hundred thousand Americans who have, who have passed on, who are no longer with us, and still saying, well, you know, it's just it doesn't register to me as much as some other things uh, in my life, and and that's just for me, that's just sad. Um, it, it, it's a very unfortunate way of thinking. I think what became very clear to me early on was just how selfish as a society we are. Um, and, and I mean, I, I get it. I mean, people were worried about their own safety, their own way of life, how they were going to adjust. And I don't know that there's been a real accounting for the larger societal impact that COVID mm-hmm. has had, whether that's the death number, whether it's how COVID has affected middle-class or lower middle-class people um, to say nothing of the poor. Um, I mean, adjusting to the new normal, you have to have money to do that. Right. I mean, right. I say somebody who has been able to, I say that as somebody that has been able to adjust. Right. I mean, so I think that largely the communication has excluded people in the middle class and in the poor. Like it is largely, the communication has largely been focused at those people that have means and can, you know, that have internet and that can afford to up the amount of internet that they have or the type of internet plan that can, you know, make adjustments in their work schedule to be able to supervise their kids or to, you know, work from home or to do these types of things. And um, so, I mean, I would say that was kind of largely a failure while not, not focused on any one person, I would say that just kind of how we, we just sort of took for granted the fact that people could, um, I think could make the necessary adjustments to COVID and kind of keep moving on. Um, I worry not just for COVID, but I mean, we talked about this on earlier shows. I worry like what happens if there's a war or what happens if there's a major cyber, um, outage or a major utility outage i mean you see what texas is dealing with like right right we are not a very resilient group how we've communicated covid i mean we really need to dissect that and look at how that would be handled um or how we would handle another crisis and what that would mean um for both the communication and the leadership that's needed to get to get through it because like we talked about last week, we kind of took the COVID partisan, you know, blame model uh, and we laid that over top of the Texas weather crisis. Uh, you know, people immediately defaulted to the same position, same types of positions and the same type of communication that they took during COVID. And that's not going to work if this was a nation, another nationwide epidemic or pandemic or another nationwide, you know, cyber or utility outage or like a you know god forbid a uh, another 9-11 i mean we there's a lot that we need to to think about um from a uh whole of country standpoint chris you bring uh you you make some some tremendous points some some very eye-opening 
points uh, that as you as these things were happening, as you know, if you go back to you know the wildfires over the summer, and then of course what happened just recently in Texas, and then like you know even touching on the solar winds hack. Um, yeah, th- there were plenty of times where I, you know, I personally would 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 sort of sit here in my home and think about, man, well, like, what if this happened? You know, what if this happened? And then to, to even go back to the point about, you know, the 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 poor um, and and the, and the disenfranchised uh, across the country, if you did not have uh, access to high speed internet, if you did not have access to even just a laptop. Uh, if the school district you were in didn't have enough to get to your children, I mean, there, there, there were, and there continue to be children who were just left out of the, you know, le- left out of the pipeline, and that's something that it will be years down the road before we actually see the long term and the, the large effects, you know, from that. Like, how many parents were, you know, essential workers and had to go off to their place of work? Right. While, while their child had to stay at home and they were just like, uh, look, uh, there's no there's no high speed Internet here. So. Yeah, know, read this book and don't go outside or, or who knows how that story went down. But but I mean, yeah, this uh, I I'm in a situation where because I had, you know, access, I had opportunity. The my daughters were, were going to have their own separate, you know. Uh, laptops were going to have uh, access to high-speed internet, but there's just so many people that got lost in the sauce uh, as as COVID continued and and grew. Uh, but yeah, what what will we do? There were plenty of times that I asked myself, who's driving? You know, who's flying the plane? Who's driving the ship? Who's in charge here? And when and when you get to a situation like even January sixth, and you hear during testimony now about, well. Yet we, you know, we were prepared or we thought we were prepared. Well, based on what? What exactly were you monitoring? What were you prepared for? And I, and I bring that up as we talk about things like the wildfires, the, the infrastructure um, that, that seems to be falling apart or the, you know, the fact that the energy grid in Texas couldn't handle uh, that, that extreme weather. So what is that other thing? You know, you, you, you brought it up. What is that other shoe that's going to drop that we're not necessarily prepared for as COVID continues to poke holes in the larger American framework in terms of our, you said, resilience, you know, our sustainability, how it is we operate. And so moving forward from now, um, as we, you know, we, we on this program on Preseason Pod, we're, we're always looking at the communication aspects of things. How do you get from the top down leadership to understand uh, what they need to, uh, you know, what they need to project, what they need to know, uh, and then how to make, uh, you know, American citizens writ large understand uh, from a communal aspect. You know, you you had mentioned selfish earlier, like as a society, how we move off of that uh, because we get nowhere, uh, we get nowhere fast if the, the impetus is well, my house is fine, and that's as far as I can, as I can think. Uh, and and I'm not saying that that's it, it's 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 tough. Um, I would I would like to think that we can move a little bit, you know, move the needle more towards 
Um, is my community faring well? Are, are, are we moving together uh, towards a place of, of betterment um, you know, as a nation as we, continue to, as we continue to deal with COVID? Broadly, just to kind of bring this to, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, I don't want to say conclusion because I think it's something that has to continue, but I mean, to sure. sort of bring it back to where you started. Um, I think the biggest failure was communication by government. Um, mm-hmm. The White House, Congress, states, blue, red, Republican, Democrat. I mean, I think the president, President Trump's behavior was obviously the most egregious um, and I, I think left the most to be desired. But I, I can't even really think of anybody within government that I really felt good about. I mean, there were people at times, but. And then I would say the flip side of that success, I thought, I mean, businesses did a good job, right? I mean, a year in, I thought businesses, uh, now they were motivated by, I mean, they had a sink or swim. Uh, I mean, there was that sink or swim attitude, right? I mean, they had to learn how to communicate. They had to make the most of Zoom. They had to make the most right. of whatever, whether that's a small business like ours or, you know, extrapolate up to whatever. So I would say government, failure, business, success. Um, but I mean, I would say as a society, just like we said, man, there's a lot of lessons learned. And I hope people take time and learn those lessons. Um, yeah. And they're, they're unique lessons. They're lessons on how you communicate to your kids, how you communicate to your office or your shop, how you communicate to your company writ large. I mean, there, there are a lot because I don't, I, I don't think that this type of event is going to be unique in the future. I mean, the health aspect may be unique, but I think that it, as adversaries look at us and look at our vulnerabilities, I, I think they're going to try to force us into these types of silos um, and how we live and how we're able to communicate in those silos, I think is going to be very important moving forward. Right. Uh, completely agree. Uh, I would say my, my focus was on the, the healthcare workers, uh, okay. those frontline healthcare workers. I feel like I at a very from a very early uh, point, looking back over this year, I was very keyed into the messages uh, of coming out of hospitals, coming out of healthcare networks um, about just what they were seeing uh, on, on a ground level. Uh, and that that gave me, you know, it, it got my attention uh, to to the extent that that these people were working round the clock uh, to treat uh, to treat patients and make us understand the severity of what was going on. So I I I, I felt, at least from from what I was looking at, that that was communicated effectively. Um, yeah, I totally agree on your government uh, standpoint. I just never quite understood, and that and that you know, Chris, I will tell you. That that's what happens, right? When you have established a relationship of uh, lack of trust, lack of credibility, that you 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 don't uh, necessarily take what's coming out uh, from your leadership as uh, plausible. When you think of communication, it was definitely an organized way of communicating um, the severity, the importance, the impact that they were having. I mean, a year later, I look at like my heroes. And the people that I am most um, appreciative of Mm -hmm. really were just the average people. I think, again, I know we've talked about this, but like, sure, sure. 
that dude or that lady that makes like $8 an hour that kept going to work at Safeway to put stuff, you know, to put the dozen or so rolls of toilet paper up as they trickled in or made sure that they're, I mean, like those people, like, I mean, I look at healthcare workers and I say, you know, yes. I mean, they, you know, they took an oath. They, in, 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 in a lot of cases are well compensated. And so like, I mean, I kind of view them as like the military, right. And they, that's what they signed up for. And they, when the bell rang, they were there and they have, you know, gone above and beyond, but like that Uber driver who like kept bringing me takeout. Right. right. I mean, mean, you know, like that, that Amazon driver, that person at the Safeway, like these are the same people that like a year ago in 2019, we were clowning and being mean to. Mm. Right. Mm, I mean, weren't yeah, we yeah, as yeah, a society? Yeah, I mean, like yeah. undervalued. So when you think about like what we communicated, and I say we as a society communicated to them, and then in 2020, what they communicated back to us, and there's a lot to learn there. Right. So I mean, when I say like there are a lot of lessons and there are things that like I worry about if there was a larger conflict or a larger pandemic or a larger outage. Then there are some things that I'm not worried about, right? I kind of feel good about that part. Like I, those people rose to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope, you know, when you think about like federal minimum wage or you think about other things, I mean, I don't know that the two are directly linked, but I hope people will find a way to communicate back to them how much we appreciate what they did for us. Cause I think the new normal could have been a lot worse if those people would have stayed home like the rest, like the rest of us did. Yeah. 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 No, that, um, gosh, you just, when you brought that up, you made me start to think about the, the, and it's not just restaurants. I mean, it's the theater. It's, um, there are plenty of, of spaces across the, the swath of our economy, um, that took, I mean, I, I can't just say took a hit. I mean, they they are they're no longer in existence. Right. Long standing, long standing, you know, long standing businesses, institutions uh, that have been around for generations uh, that had to, to close their doors and shut down. And I, and there are, you know, those those aren't just. It's not. It's it's so much more than brick and mortar establishments. Um, there's history and and there's people, uh, the the same people that you're talking about that had to move from those jobs. And then had to take positions of being uh, Amazon workers or uh, Uber delivery and DoorDash delivery drivers, and or whatever it is, people did what they had to do in order to survive. And I think that if, if there's any takeaway uh, about uh, the American resolve or what it is that um, you know people are willing to do, um, let's. I, I would. It's like you. you I feel bad saying that I want to rest on that, but I want to make sure that I that I understand it, I acknowledge it, uh, and not take anything for granted in terms of uh, how I how I continue to operate uh, during COVID, uh, and and as uh, and as we continue to try and move forward uh, through this. So, yeah, I'll leave that there. Yeah, uh, Chris, listen, uh, we we didn't have uh, we didn't have an interview. Uh, an interview guest today, but uh, I think we wanted to have this discussion and need to have this discussion and know that uh, it's going to continue. So 
uh, just some things that that we wanted to get off our chest here today. So we appreciate you listening. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, stick around. We'll uh, come back with what's on the horizon for us. Uh, you're listening to Three Season of Pod. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back and it's time to look out on the horizon. Uh, Chris, it's you and I this week. As you look out on this week, uh, you know, here we are, we're, we're on uh, on the first week of March here. Uh, what's sticking out for you? What's on your mind? I think the biggest thing that's sticking out for me in John has mentioned it a few times, but it's the, um, in, the inoculations, um, you, you know, people getting the vaccine. Um, I think I read this morning that this was the biggest weekend from, from a vaccine giving standpoint that we've had, uh, that comes, um, you know, in the wake of the news that the Johnson Johnson, Johnson and Johnson single dose vaccine was approved. Um, so I'm hopeful that more and more people will get um, the vaccine, both from a logistics standpoint, from a availability standpoint, and from a buying in standpoint. Um, I did have the opportunity to talk to some friends that are still in the Navy. Um, and I don't think this is unique to the Navy because I think it matches what Dr. Lisa said and it matches what Rock said. but. I continue to be um, amazed at the skepticism that still surrounds uh, the, mm -hmm. the vaccine. I mean, I know I shouldn't be, and I understand, um, but we still have a lot of work to do. So from a horizon standpoint, um, you know, logistics seems to be trending in the right direction. Uh, availability seems to be trending in the right direction. I think the only part that we're still like need to dial up is that communication piece in terms of making sure that um, black and brown communities understand more that that younger communities? I think I'm, I, you know, I, that's what I heard from uh, the people I talked to in the Navy is that it's it's younger folks are skeptical uh, about the vaccine, and there are some institutional reasons behind that, but there are also some societal reasons. So I, I want to continue to watch how the vaccine is delivered and communicated um, just to see if we can get all those things trending in the right direction so that maybe this recovery can begin to move a little bit quicker and that the, the numbers of deaths or the death rate will continue to arrest and we can start to figure out what normal looks like. I mean, I think we both agree that it's never going to be like it was in 2019, right? I mean, I, right, I, right. I don't think we're ever going back to that place, but I think we get to a newer normal sooner if all those things trend in the right direction. So that's what I'm watching, Bash. Uh, Chris, I will uh, take that and, and raise you uh, raise you an NBA All-Star game. So yeah. uh, as I look out on the horizon, uh, the NBA All-Star game is going to take place on March 7th um, in Atlanta, Georgia. I have already seen where Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms has said um, definitively like, hey, this is not a, an event for public consumption. Uh, please do, she has, she has declared, do not come to, to Atlanta, do not travel. She, said, she has said this in conjunction with the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. Um, Mayor, 
we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've already heard from 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 people that I know on the ground there in Atlanta how they have uh, been operating over the past year. Uh, and I got to tell you, uh, just from you know images I've seen, video footage I've seen of Atlanta, I'm worried. I'm worried about the NBA All-Star Game taking place in Atlanta and just who is going to heed those words coming from the mayor and the NBA commissioner. So, look, as I... That, that's my that's my looking out on the horizon. I, I really want to see, you know, just, I mean, just coming off of, of, of the Super Bowl, what I saw, images coming out of Tampa, yeah. what this event is going. And look, I've been in cities before when the NBA All-Star Game has taken place. And just like you mentioned about young folks uh, and, and, and getting vaccinated, there's going to be a lot of young folks that want to be around um, the NBA All-Star Game just in, in proximity, you know. Uh, because there is you know, there's money to be made in different venues and things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, this this progress is so fragile, right? I mean, it, it, you almost worry that any event um, could really upset the vectors of progress across those logistics, you know, availability and communication, whether it's the vaccine or whether it's healthcare. I mean, like. And it becomes a leadership and a communication challenge, right? I mean, so whether it's exactly. the mayor in Atlanta, whether it's, you know, pick a city where there's other sporting events. Um, th- this is where Americans, like, they're, they work against themselves here, right? I mean, you right. talk about the new normal. You really hope that center, the centerpiece of the new normal is, like, people paying attention and listening and thinking about things bigger than themselves. I am a little skeptical. Yeah, perhaps that's asking too much. Yeah. And and that's frightening. Hey, folks, that's our show for today. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate you uh, joining in on the conversation. Uh, Remember to find and subscribe to Three C's in a Pod on all of your podcast platforms. And if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net, where you can also sign up to receive our weekly update delivered straight to your inbox each and every Sunday morning. Folks, in the meantime, please be safe, wear a mask, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.